Don, we have entered a new age today. What is that? We are recording the same day. We have been ushered into a new region, the Paldean region. And it's pretty exciting, I think. We're going to talk a lot about that. But that is not the what the episode is about. The episode itself, we have uh, a very special guest is joining us. Um, you may or may not know them from Twitter or from streaming Pokemon VGC, but we have Moxie Boosted is joining us to talk a little bit about physics and battle mechanics. Don, you you have a little bit of background with Moxie, don't you? Um, I think I've played him once or twice actually in a couple uh or couple um like online tours. Um, but I think it's been I think it's been a minute. Um, but I, I follow him a little bit on YouTube and stuff. He's got some great good channel. He's got a great channel, a lot of excellent VGC info and guides. I would definitely recommend him. And he's uh he's got some fun content. I remember for a while he was big on Thievel. Yeah. Well, Moxie actually had reached out to us to talk about uh, some different aspects of physics, and so we decided to kind of make it a combo. I took the minimum amount of physics classes I needed for my degree, which was not very much. <laughs> you probably took more than me. Uh... I prefer my science subjects to be edible. <laughs> That's not physics. It is not physics. <laughs> you can't you can't eat physics. No. You can't eat gravity. Really, the biggest one is geology, because half of the rocks you identify by licking them. Oh, that's your missed calling, Don. Is geology? Yeah. I mean, I, I took some uh, geological oceanography courses back in the day. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, maybe you can help us work through uh, one of the things that I want to talk about later on. Which Don't involves... like random rocks, kids, too, by the way. Some of them are bad. I think that's, I mean, that's a general rule for life. Don't lick random things. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good rule. <laughs> okay, on that note, Don, we've got a lot of news to parse through before we even get to the interview with Moxie, so let's jump into that. Let's get to it. Alright, Don, you've got some some weird shark news to share. Yes. All right. So, um, how familiar are you with the Greenland shark? Beyond knowing it's a shark, that's it. Okay. So the Greenland shark is a, uh, it's technically, I believe it's actually a member of the dogfish family because it doesn't have a secondary dorsal fin. I do like dogfish head beer. Yes. Um, dogfish are a small, most, most members of that family are quite small. Those are the ones you typically see in like the jars, right? Um, depending. Sometimes they use leopard sharks and stuff, which I don't think are, but they might be. Um, I think they're in the carp. They might be in carp. No, I, I, I have to brush up on my Elasma ranks, honestly. But, um, anyway, they're the largest member of that group, are the Greenland sharks. And they're an ancient breed of shark. Um, they're a six-gill shark, which is one of the older, like, groups as well. Most, many modern sharks have actually fewer gills. They've sort of got more efficient. But the Greenland shark, as its name would indicate, is primarily found in, uh, Greenland or like the Arctic Ocean. Yeah. There's also a very similar shark called the Pacific Sleeper Shark. And the Sleeper Sharks, there's a few others and they're typically deep water sharks. They're normally 6 or 7 gills, uh very slow moving, very long lived, adapted to very cold water. Um and the ones in Greenland, like the Greenland sharks have been found with actually they will eat polar bears. Oh. How wait, so you said they were big. How big? Um I think up to 24 25 feet potentially larger they're sort of an understudied shark due to their location and their habits um they may actually be the largest carnivorous shark there's some debate if they're actually if they can actually get bigger than great whites or not these things look i mean they look ancient they are um so yeah they can live over 400 years which is um pretty pretty crazy but the the big deal that recently happened was off of um there was a uh they were, they were with Moat Marine, I believe. Oh, no, Florida, uh, FIU, so Florida International, shout out. Florida International University student was working with shark with fishermen tagging tiger sharks off the coast of Belize. Um, and they pulled up a shark um, that they said didn't feel like a tiger shark when they pulled up, because tiger sharks are very, very powerful and uh, scrappy, I guess is a word you could use to it for tiger sharks. They can, they can hit ghosts. Yes, yes, very... Uh, honestly, like, they're probably... Tiger sharks eat everything, so like I wouldn't be surprised if they could eat ghosts. So they were pulling it up, and the fishermen that they were with, uh, I believe uh, they were fish. She was fishing with local fishermen as well, and the fishermen were all also uh, surprised and unsure about what this was. Um, so when they pulled it up, um, they looked like so they think it's either a Greenland shark or a hybrid between a Greenland and the Pacific sleeper shark, 
and Greenlands previously have only really been seen in like deep, cold ocean water, um, up by like the Arctic where they will come much shallower. But I believe this was along, um, yeah, Glover's Reef Atoll, which has a slope that drops to like 9,500 feet or 2,900 meters for our European listeners and everywhere else in the world listeners. Um, so, which means it's deep enough that it the water temperature there would probably still be in like the like the low like the high 30s Fahrenheit, maybe low 40s Fahrenheit, so very cold. So like they could potentially and they can go very deep for a lot of sharks. So like they um there's a this like might mean that there might be Greenland sharks really like all over sections of the world as long as it's deep enough. They're just a very understudied shark. Oh, okay. That's pretty interesting. But yeah, they have um polar bears have been found in their stomachs, um reindeer, basically most land things narwhals, uh beluga whales. Um, they do a lot of scavenging, they think. Um, and they live over 400 years, which is pretty crazy. Uh, if you think about it, like, this shark could have been out chilling while, like, Shakespeare was alive. Yeah. Um, and then you also have um, another interesting with them as well is um, it's pretty common for there to be, I believe it's a copepod or an isopod. It's a, it's like an a, uh, arthropod parasite that attaches to their eyes, and it blinds them. But the sharks are kind of okay with it, one, because half the time they're in the pitch black anyway. And um, the, the little crustacean hanging off their eye acts as a lure to fish. Like an anglerfish type thing. Kind of like an anglerfish, yeah. So while it does blind the shark, it's not really a matter. Um, it's all, like it's thought to actually be a beneficial relationship because they have very sensitive, uh, the ampullae of Lorenzini, they're sensitive to electrical impulses. Um, they can still detect fish around them very well along with the lateral line to sense changes in water pressure. It's like a lot of fish um, can be blind and uh, really don't have, like I have some pet blind cave tetras that do very well without having eyes. Well, in the spirit of the episode, Don, I would also have to point out that that 400 year old shark might've also been alive when uh, Sir Isaac Newton was publishing the theory on gravity. Yes. Yeah, we're running, we're saying over 400. We really don't know how long they can live. Because we probably weren't tracking this 400 years ago. Well, them and the other uh, crazy uh, animal, which sort of is related because one of the new Pokemon, um, I'll just work this in real quick because it's interesting. Oh, what is it? Uh, Titan. Titan. Yeah. Yeah, so it's partially based off a of narwhal, but there's also the bowhead whale, which has been known as the ice whale. Um, and it's the second largest whale species, I believe, and they're incredibly long-lived as well. Like, they can live over 200 years, which that one is always crazy to me because, like, whales are intelligent. They're a pretty intelligent class of animals. Um, so there's whales from that are cruising around right now that are over 200 years old in that group. And, like, think about what there has gone on in their lifetimes, and they're intelligent enough to remember changes. So, like, they went from no boats to everyone shooting at us to now no one, not many people are shooting at us, but there's a whole lot of boats. Stuff's way louder now. Like, that's got to be insane to them. Yeah. That's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Narwhals are actually doing very well. Bowheads, I think, are still struggling to recover because they're so slow growing. But narwhals, are, I think, are doing quite well. So, you kind of start, you kind of tip the... Uh... The ball rolling there. It was too tied in with cold stuff. Yeah. So I, I had to. I have to say, though, so I'm very much Team Narwhal for Titan, but also the, the mouth on that also looks much like the, the bow whale. I think it's a little bit of both. It's it's probably a little bit of both. And then also it's bipedal, so there's probably something Lucas will come at us with. Well, I mean, whale's ancestors were like weird wolf dog things. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. So we got the new trailer for, or it was a Pokemon Direct where we got a lot of info for scarlet and violet there's a lot of food pokemon this gen i feel like we got we got we well we have a lot to go through so uh, i'll do we'll do first reaction what do you what do you think of the direct um i haven't watched all of the direct i sort of watched like the trailer and then got a lot of info from twitter but i think i got the gist um i think the terra typing is very interesting competitively but uh, we had uh, the terror types are very interesting. I think certain Pokemon are going to – it sounds like, as far as I understand it, it works like a soak where it replaces your original type. That's my understanding from the trailer. And if it matches your original type, you get, like, double stab. Yeah. Yeah, a rock one, if it's in the game, with water bubble, could be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it could go pure water. It doesn't really use its bug stab that much anyway. Um, so a rock one, it could be really big. And then you have some nutty things like you can make Tyranitar a different type. Yeah. Um, Because Rock Dar, like Tyranitar has incredible stats. 
Um, and it's kind of like almost held back by its typing. Like Rock and Sand is good, but if you can make it like you, it's got its move pool is just absurd. So like I'll see if some Pokemon that have crazy move pools that you could just change their typing to something totally different. And you have a Pokemon that could double down on their stabs. The the so one thing some things that I guess aren't the most clear right now is one, does it change for the duration of the battle, or will it be like Dynamax where it's lost on switching out? Or or, or limited turns, yeah, it's a good Yeah. Point. So we don't know that aspect of it. So that could also affect the playability or the, the some playbills or playability of things. But then we also don't know if every Pokemon will be able to have everyone or if there will be certain I thought I saw something. Maybe I'm wrong here, because I, I, I did not watch the whole. I thought there was something along that like Pokemon would probably not have access to every type, and rarer types would be based off rate. Oh, you're right. You're right. There was a thing on rarer types, so that that kind Which of. Which I, I think this is the way to get around. I'm not sure if Shed Ninja's in the game or not, but I could see that just being a way of like stopping Electric type Air Balloon Shed Ninja. You know. Well, and also like Shed Ninja, if it comes out on the field and you don't know what its terraform is going to be and it could be literally anything that's the worst yeah no i think i i i would i definitely expect it to be limited yeah maybe probably to like i would imagine their base types and then like it might depend on the pokemon i know we we saw um a flying pikachu that yes. learns fly we also don't know if the the terra types if they have to have a move of that type i don't i'm not sure if they have to have that or not as well uh fred flintstone dragon <laughs> that's the weirdest motorcycle but it's so cool <laughs> i believe in future supremacy <laughs> i mean i'm still leaning I know, I know scarlet has tyranitar and i will immediately transfer a tyranitar over because i like tyranitar a lot but i am going violet all the way so far well that's that's what the, the multiplayer bit because you can just drop into a friend's world and go catch your own tyranitar you don't even have to trade for it that's right get scarlet yeah Oh, I'm probably getting Violet too. We have four. There's four of us. One of us will get. get we'll Someone get will be getting Violet that I know. I'm, no, I'm We're both getting Violet. Someone's I mean, getting Scarlet. Sorry. Yeah, but we got a couple of new ones. We already talked about Satitan, who I I already love. I it's is it pure ice? Pure ice. Okay, thick fat on a pure ice isn't bad, especially with the uh, you could potentially turn it into like a steel type with thick fat, which would be gnarly. And then it also has Slush Rush, obviously. So yeah, Slush Rush, yeah, I'm very excited to see the stats. I really hope, I hope Gym Leader Scaling turns out to be a thing. Yeah. Um, I think that would be cool, because then you could, because, like, we've had a lot of, throughout the generations, we've had a lot of late-game ice types. Yeah. That show up kind of late and have suboptimal stats. Yeah. I'm hoping with, like, Glass Rear and then, you know, Cali Ice being added, they finally, I think they finally maybe figured out how to do a bulky ice type which is just to make it stupidly min-maxed. He looks like he'll be bulky just given his sort of size, but maybe he'll be... I mean, offensive ice types work. He looks like Guzzlord, but ice. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm really hoping... Uh, I like. I love the name Cetitan, because uh, Cetacean is the group uh, whales. They're, they're genus. And um, Titan is just... You know, big. Big feller. Big. Um, so I, I'm really hoping that uh, he, he turns out to be good. We also got our new puppy, Fido. Don't say Fido. It's Fido, okay? <laughs> Fido. Uh, fairy typing. Uh, and then, oh, oh Whooper. Yes, uh, po Pooper. <laughs> Paul Day and Whooper. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I, I'm not going to unhear that now. So Poison poison Ground is a weird typing, though. Poison Ground with Water Absorb is, I think, potentially excellent. Depending on stats and depending on what it turns into. That's a weird typing, though. Yeah, it's a weird typing. Poison Ground's really just the Nidos. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, I mean, they're interesting because they have an absurd move pool. Um, but they're kind of frail, relatively speaking, in a lot of formats. Um, But they we have seen success. I know Nido Queen, I believe, got second at, like, an international championships in, like, maybe 17, 18. And Nido King has showed up as well. The the thing that I want is so in the in the trading card game there's a poison marker that's got the skull and crossbones. Yes. I just want it to be Whooper's face now, because it's got the little like the the X like it's got the skull and crossbones look for the poison sign. Yeah, I I love that. I, I like honestly poison ground but with water absorb is very interesting. Yeah, and then you figure it's probably gonna have water Terra. Yeah, I would assume it has a water Terra. Um, 
And I'm really interested to see what it turns into. Because, like, if Poison Ground on a Quagsire, if it has, like, heaps like the unaware water absorb move combos, that could be really hard to break through. Assuming it's got decent bulk on, like, a Curse set or something. Because, like, Curse Quagsire now, it's like, I mean, Rillaboom exists, so it's, you know, not ideal. But yeah. depending on the meta and, like, now having a Poison typing to go with the ground and unaware, especially, that could be a very hard Pokemon to remove. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Were there any other new ones that got thrown out there? I don't think so. I think that's that's the the big new the big the big drops that we got. Oh, and then uh, we have series uh we have series thirteen as well. Oh yes, yes. So go coming back coming back a generation, Don. What's series thirteen? All right. So we have the, the, the it was sort of everyone was wondering what the post worlds format would be because typically in Pokemon the post worlds format sometimes they get a little weird with it. Sometimes they just keep it the same. Um, where it's in between the post-worlds and the new generation of games. Um, and they really just went all out with it. And um, uh, the VGC Series 13, I believe it is, has um, any, every, you can use any restricted, no longer a cap. So you can use, you can use six, you could use six restricted if you want, which are like the cover legendaries for the, the layman. And um, you can also use mythicals as well for the first time in the history of competitive. And some mythicals you cannot use because of, I guess, its availability reasons. Like, I think Arceus you can't use, Manaphy, um, a few others. But, like, there, we have several very, very good ones. Victini is very, very good. Um, Mew is interesting because it can do everything. But also, like, almost like, I mean, Shadow Rider is so good. And Yeveltal are both so good. Um, I think Mew and, like, Jirachi and friends are going to struggle. Unfortunately, Jirachi no longer has Follow Me. But um, sir, I, th- I really like it so far. I've been playing it a lot. I'm not going to Worlds this year, so I'm focusing on this. Um, several Pokemon, I think, that were, like, not the best pick restricteds when you only had two, but, like, would always be the best third. So things like Ho-Oh and Yveltal, not that Yveltal especially wasn't already good, are just now, I think, fit. like, Zamazenta is, too. Like, it's a support restricted, which typically you didn't really want to spend your restricted on pure support. Yeah. But now, like, Zamazenta, I think, is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hoa was very good. Um, Zekrom seems interesting. This is the time for me to bring in my Hippowdon. My Stealth Rock Yawn Hippowdon. I don't know about the Stealth Rock part. <laughs> It'll murder the Ho-Ohs that come Yeah, out. there's so many Kyogres, though. And ho has Regenerator, and a lot of the most of them are running Recover or Roost. I like it, though. I like it. I like the idea. Um, I do think you're giving up a turn in a format that might be, like, the most... Also, we have Magirna. Um, yeah. Magirna is just absolutely nuts. Oh, did you die? I hate you. Anything dies, and it... So, yeah, I mean, be ready for final gambits. Be ready for explosions. Yeah. Anything faints, and Magirna gets a boost. Yeah. Magirna's stupid. The, uh, the last bit of news that came from the Direct on that I wanted to to touch on before we get into the interview is the hilarious fact that Mewtwo is joining the coffee shop. Yeah, I missed that part of the direct. <laughs> the, Mewtwo can now be your barista, which seems like a drastic downgrade for... If anything was going to make it snap and want to kill all of humans again, I think being a barista would do it. I, I think they're they're setting up they're setting up uh maybe a DLC or maybe another movie where Mewtwo after the nineteenth person's like actually I wanted soy milk, and then it just like kills everyone. Psycho cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just gonna be like you know what, I was right initially, and it's just gonna wipe out humanity. I think that might be the plot line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's uh I think that we covered a, a lot of a lot of different kind of news there. Uh, we'll, with the rest of the group, we'll probably cover a lot more and we'll have a lot of info about the region as more stuff comes out and the games come out. We will have tons of episodes for you all to talk about all these wonderful, wonderful little creatures and where they come from. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. For now, Don, we can't get on our motorcycles just yet. So let's jump into the interview. All right, everybody. Well, we actually did have a a little bit of a switch. Lucas is joining us for the interview portion, but we are joined by our special guest this week. We have Moxie Boosted, the one and only. Moxie, welcome. Hey, nice to be here. Uh, Moxie, would you prefer to be called Moxie or would you like us to address you by uh, your real name? 
I mean, I, I am Marcos Perez, Bachelor of Science in Physics, but I am also Moxie Boosted Mediocre VGC YouTuber, so either one works. Marcus, come on, do not do not give yourself too little credit. Come on. I mean, you you do just fine. You do pretty good. Don has told us enough about you to know that anyone who fights like you cannot be that cannot be that bad. Come on. I, I would say I'm a mediocre battler. <laughs> Listen, I, I get I have to when when you do what I do, you have to like talk to Joe UX9 in Battle Room. It humbles you a lot. <laughs> well, there's 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 a tier here. <laughs> I think you're you're setting yourself on a, a lower tier than some others might put you. Marcos, I'm the man who coined using a Snorlax with normal gem to self-destruct turn one. I do not care. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. <laughs> What's your background uh, in physics? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been interested in physics since, uh, honestly, mid-college. I started going uh, to college uh, in an engineering program to eventually switch to aerospace engineering. Uh, but I ended up switching mid-course, uh, not mid-course, but mid-track, uh, to just do pure physics. Because basically what it was is you do like three years of physics, two years of engineering, and then you get thrown out into the world. Um, I decided midway through that I actually just like physics, like pure physics. I like the, the mathematical part of it, and I like the abstractness of it. I think it's really fun. And it's... um. Just uh, something that uh, interests me to no end. And it's such a broad amount of topics that you can cover in it uh, that it's it's very hard to describe any. And it's hard to describe physics in one go. You have to describe many different like areas of it uh, and get like specific. But the good part about a physics degree is while previously I was going to go for an aerospace engineering degree, I'd be very good at calculating drag and you know and lift and that sort of thing. Now I am just pretty good at everything physics related, but amazing at none of it. So I can uh, basically be, uh, I can sound like the smartest guy in a room, but the dumbest guy in a physics room, if that makes sense. That, I mean, that's, that's a good perspective. It works out pretty well from a career perspective. A lot of people knock the like, oh, you're not an expert in this. Like true. But if something goes wrong here, I can jump to here with a very little transition. So it's not a, not a bad call. I do have to know, like, out of all the things you could study, why engineering, why physics in general? Because, I, I mean, I've been playing Pokemon since forever, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to talk about the critters and the animals in the world. What, what got you into this? Okay, so in the same way that you were playing Pokemon, you want to talk about the critters and the animals? I think Pokemon was actually pretty influential in my decision to get into the, the natural sciences. Um, because a lot of things in Pokemon actually call back to physics topics, science-related things, and especially uh, in the years prior to me entering college, Sun and Moon had just come out, uh, and that is actually a generation that is very much in the um, more like the sci-fi, pop-sci sort of side of um, science, uh, but it does sort of act as a gateway to get you interested into the nitty-gritty of things. So you might think, oh yeah, ultra wormholes, there are such things as um you know different dimensions or you know traveling through a wormhole like these are hypotheticals that could work um, but i want to know why they work so uh physics while mundane at, at the beginning becomes so abstract and strange by the end of the degree that uh my homework started we ran out of greek characters and we started using these weird different characters because you know you do you 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 get into like normal math, you're using numbers. You get into algebra, you start using letters. You get into calculus, you start using Greek letters. And then you get into like quantum mechanics and you're like, oh, well, we ran out of Greek letters. <laughs> gotta, make, gotta make a new alphabet. Yeah, like my homework literally, I, I think I I have like a, a mild reading thing. It's hard for me to read um, letters. I'll like mix them up if they're too small and similar. And it's you might notice it on stream. I'll, I'll like mix up some words uh, when I'm reading them off the page. But this was especially hard. <laughs> Oh, no, we'll just replace them with unknown symbols. No one's using that yet. It'll be fine. <laughs> so you said, uh, you had said just now that physics is hard to pin down, but you joined here to do an interview, so I'm going to ask you to pin it down. Uh, just just a, a real quick, you know, what is the study of physics? Real broad overview. What's it looking at? What's it trying to tell us about our world and universe? Physics is the broader study of the mechanics of the universe that we live in, and through that, you can also get specific things like the origin of the universe, or um, it's, it's the sort of thing that other sciences get derived from, if that makes sense. If, if mathematics is a derivative of philosophy, then physics is a derivative of mathematics applied to the natural world. 
I like that description a lot. I did when I was in college. I met a physicist who was very much of like the all of your sciences bow to mine. It, they do, they do though. <laughs> they they do though, but like you don't have to rub it in our faces. We get it. I actually have a mathematician buddy, um, and he'll rub it in my face that I have to use his major to do my major. Um, and I have a chemist buddy who I rub it in his face that he has used my major to do his major. And then the engineers, we all rub it in his face. And then the philosopher, he'll try to get us. He'll try to rub it in our face, and we'll be like, hey, man, um, yeah, shut up. Get the coffee. And I'm the biologist who released the mosquitoes into the lab and has the only cure for malaria. Your move, nerds. I have, I have hey, a You film. get to be a supervillain with yours. You get to be a supervillain with bioweapons. I'm a supervillain if I can uh, assemble the funding necessary to make, like, a death ray or something. Yeah, it's I really think. easy. Turns out it's real easy to get a virus that causes people to go crazy and hate each other. Not that hard. Thought it would be a lot more difficult. Hmm. I was gonna say I have a communications degree. Boo! So. <laughs> Boo him! Boo this man! Hey, when you're when you're writing those papers for grants and all that money, guess who you're gonna come to? The comm major. I like talking about critters because they're really awesome and people don't appreciate how cool they are. But that's I like enough about rocks and learning better ways to throw rocks. There you go. <laughs> so on the note of throwing rocks, uh, with the basic person. That's probably all they think about when they're doing this sort of physics stuff. Like, what is something that you can tie to, like, everyday? How does physics impact the everyday person? And why should we care at all? You should learn basic physics, um, especially basic thermodynamics and uh, basic mechanics, uh, because they're useful for a lot of different things. A lot of small things in your life that you won't think about until you actually perform them. So um, one good example is... Let's say, you know how like sometimes you don't have uh, a cork to open up a bottle of wine? So that's a huge issue that a lot of people face in college. You know, you want to get drunk on a Saturday night, but hey, man, how am I supposed to get this wine cork out? Stab it with a knife won't work. It's just going to keep getting pushed in further and further. How am I going to get this wine cork out? So I, the physicist, uh, walk in and I say, I know how to do it. Give me a lighter. And you say, all right, hold up, buddy hold up. You had too many. I'm not giving you a lighter. And I say, no, give me the lighter. And then I wrestle it from your hands. And then I hold the lighter underneath the, um, where the cork is like the glass part of the bottle, the mouth of it. I think that's the word. And what that'll do is it'll heat up the bottle and due to basic thermodynamics, when something heats up, it will expand slightly solids, less so than liquids and liquids, less so than gases, but solids will expand a bit. That expansion allows for, uh, the gases trapped inside of the bottle to want to sort of push the cork further and further out of the mouth because the mouth is expanding slightly to allow for the system to reach equilibrium with the environment that it's in because there's a lot of gas in one area it wants to travel from high pressure to low pressure best way to do it is hey look this door is getting a little bit easier to open let's push the cork out and if you heat up the wine bottle mouth long enough uh, the gases inside of the wine bottle will push the cork out naturally that sounds way easier than my go-to methods, which was one, put the bottle in a shoe and hit it against the wall, or, or use a hammer and a screw. <laughs> Get boxed wine, you classy people. How dare you? Me and my box are going home. Now, question about that that wine method, though. Just like, what's the, you said that it, the air kind of pushes it out. Are we talking like, you know, opening a bottle of champagne, like shooting out, or is it a casual push out? It, it depends how much gas is in the uh, the bottle. So high pressure systems um, want to get into equilibrium with the low pressure area around it, right? So if your wine bottle has tons of gases in it, like a shaken up Coke can, right? And you heat it up and allow for it all to escape at once, then that, that cork is going to go flying. But if it's not super, super gassy on the inside, if it's pretty low pressure, it might be a little bit more difficult to get that cork out. It'll either go out very slowly or you're, you're just going to have to actually dig out the knife, but now it'll be easier since the mouth of the bottle has expanded slightly. I, I think it's really funny because occasionally you'll see it on TV or like people will like, there'll be like the super smart guy who shows up and like rambles off about physics to some random person like, dude, what are you talking about? And it's just, I don't know. I like the idea of it explained the way like, yes, you kind of need physics for every single part of your day. You just don't think about it. And if you know the rules, then you can actually kind of break through it. My favorite saying in any video game, I think comes from actually Mass Effect 2. And I'm going to have to like 
watered down because it has some swearing in it. So um, it, there's a scene in Mass Effect 2, and it's just some two guys talking in space. And the drill sergeant is yelling at them because one of the guys tried to eyeball shooting something into space. And he's telling he's like, no, if you shoot something in space, you are going to ruin someone's day somewhere sometime. Isaac Newton is the deadliest SOB in space. It's one of my favorite lines of video games, and it's physics related. So I wanted to ask you, because it bothers me a lot when I see like something really dumb animal-wise. Like I'll watch Jurassic Park and be like, so where are the zookeepers? Oh, whereas like any of that stuff, is there any like physics related thing in games or media that you see often or the, the a truly horrifying offender to physics that you've seen that you're just like, stop this movie, stop this game, fix this, you idiots. I am the worst person to watch a movie with for this exact reason. One, I took a couple of film classes, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a snob. Two, oh, God, no. Can we cancel the interview? <laughs> Two, physics is literally so um i don't know if the word's ubiquitous i'm not a i'm not an english major it's everywhere right that it's hard to have bad physics in a movie and for a physicist not to notice it have you ever seen spider-man 2 of course you have i don't even have to ask you the original one by sam raimi okay so Doc Ock and Spider-Man are on, a, are on a train, right? This is the one that I woke up and I realized that I can't watch movies anymore. Um, Doc Ock and Spider-Man are on a train. They're both standing on the train going at a constant speed in one direction. Doc Ock takes Spider-Man and throws him directly upwards. If the train, Doc Ock, and Spider-Man are all starting with the same velocity going in the same direction at a constant speed and Doc Ock throws Spider-Man directly upwards, not left, not right, not side to side, Spider-Man should land in the exact same spot on that train they're standing on that Doc Ock picked him up from. Think about it. When you're driving in your car and you drop your phone, your phone isn't going to go 50 miles per hour for three seconds backwards. It's going to fall on your lap because you both have the same velocity, right? Yes. Yes. So Doc Ock throws Spider-Man directly upwards and he lands behind him forward on the train further ahead did they not teach you in your film classes about the suspension of the realm of disbelief i am going to suspend my disbelief <laughs> when they get physics right because this is not a suspension of disbelief moment this is a bad writing moment <laughs> yeah but it's cool yeah it is cool <laughs> it, on the flip side of that discussion do you does something embracing physics does that enhance your enjoyment are you ready to talk about pokemon uh if in a in a in a minute you will we'll talk about like the specifics of pokemon but you can talk about how pokemon does that yeah i will say that when something does embrace physics um and will sort of like nod and wink to people who have a deeper understanding of it that does increase my my um, appreciation of it in the same way that someone who's really into pro wrestling sees like someone strike an iconic pose on a completely non-pro wrestling media uh that you might know from like you know your your fan base it, it, it's like that for me it's like it's like when i'm watching jojo's bizarre adventure and then i watch something that's not jojo's and they do a jojo have you seen have you ever listened to uh the, it's warhammer 40k uh the emperor has text to speech at one point three of the characters show up and they are just jojo's and it's like yo i haven't played warhammer or read it or done any of like the board game stuff but i have a lot of buddies who are into it yeah, no, they make the pillar men into some of the characters, and it's phenomenal. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, gotta love. Part two is where it's at. Part two is my my type. It's I'm a I'm a I'm a part eight lover, to be honest. Hey, to each their own. All right, so uh, a little bit uh, we wanted to talk about when it comes to obviously Scarlet and Violet. Have you seen the new trailer? Yes, I have seen it. How many times have you seen the new trailer? Twice. Once at work while I was on the clock, and once when I got home. That's the right way to do it. So with the impending release of Scarlet and Violet, uh, what's one of the dynamics you would like to see added into the battling aspect of the game? What's something you would like to see like with this new crystal system? I'll be honest. When we wrote this question. We were like, oh, they're not going to announce a battle mechanic. Same day. <laughs> well, it, it could it could be a battle mechanic or it could be like if you if there's an ability based like in physics stuff that you really like are keen on like that kind of, it doesn't have to be like the overarching mechanic for the generation i want to see that whale that's walking around his legs snap from its weight dude yeah no i love that whale. it's a titan i think it is but yeah um as far as like physics related mechanics 
Do you want me to pretend like we don't know what the crystallization is? No, you can go for it. Yeah, go for it. We know. Everyone okay. knows. Crystallization, cool. I like it. It's the least offensive mechanic we've seen in a long time. Um, <laughs> it is, like, literally, the Pokemon don't look all that different. They get a little shiny thing around them. They get a little crown. Kind of cool. The fact that it is literally just a side grade for most situations and not an upgrade, uh, unless you're... It's an upgrade if you're using the same type. It's a side grade if you're not. That's how I understand it. Uh, I think that's kind of cool. And I like yeah. it. Is it terrestrialization? Ter is that what they're called? Uh, terrestrialization. I, I just called it T-Rectodactyl when I was talking about it on screen. <laughs> we got to call Ed, our volcano guy, and be like, yo, you know rocks? Ed, you're listening to this. You know rocks. What's going on, man? What's going on, Ed? Help us out, Ed. So um, I do have one question I want to add then. What is like, what is the path someone should start taking? Because we have some people who are 12 or 14 who listen to this podcast. I want them to, if they're into physics, I need them to learn how to follow this path. So they can cover my lack of knowledge or interest in physics. Okay. Rule number one, watch physics YouTube videos, but watch good ones. PBS, amazing. Star Talk Radio, good podcast. This one's also good. Um, and then once you finish watching those videos, forget everything. Don't bring it up in physics class. You're going to be a know-it-all and everyone's going to make you look dumb after you brought them up. This was not me. This was a lot of people I knew. Uh, also, no, you don't understand quantum physics. I don't understand quantum physics. And I studied it. <laughs> uh, that's the second rule. Third rule, when you get to college, just say you want to be a physicist. You learn basic math for the first three, three years. Like you, or not basic math. For the first year, you learn like basic math if you need to. You'll learn like algebra. You'll learn like calculus. And once you get calculus, the physics becomes calculus-based rather than algebra-based. And then it changes with it. It's more or less a math degree with a focus. So you have to like math if you want to go into physics. And then when you do get into physics, it's going to be a while till you get to the cool stuff. So you need to be patient. And you need to be in the community. You need to talk to other physicists. You need to be able to walk up to someone, throw a rock, and then be like, hey, I know where it's going to go. You need to be able to uh, hold a, a, like a, a solid metal ball and be like, oh, my God, guys, I found it. The solid conducting sphere. The one from the story. That's just a great rule. And like, that's not even for like a physics one, but for like, that's a great rule for life. And that the interest that you have is to find the community that also embraces that because it'll only enhance your experience in that field. Yeah. Like even for video games, like that's like a, that's a rule of thumb that everyone knows, but like never acknowledges you join the community without thinking about it. Um, my girlfriend just got into competitive Pokemon, right? She watched me play Pokemon. Uh, she got all the DLC and she would play passively, but she would just kind of hang around in Pokeball tier, right? Took her to Milwaukee Regionals. This month, the, the like a month after Milwaukee Regionals, because if I remember that was at the end of June, she yeah. hit Master Ball finally. Nice. She did it because she wanted to, because she knew people in the community now. She was like, I want to play this game. Yeah, no, it's that's just a good way. Like, if you have an interest, find other people who share that interest. It'll only bolster your interest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a great point. Thank you for bringing that up. It, it really is important to know. Again, there's not many communities where you can just be like, well, I'm on this now. No, you just kind of, you roll your way into it. I honestly was not as connected to the Pokemon community until I started this podcast back in the day because it was like, I was just I just liked talking about science and this is how I learned science. So it worked out. And I, and I still love making people like yourself who work really hard cringe when I tell them, hey, like, I like to blow up my team in the beginning just to kill the other team. It works. It works well enough. Mind your business. I'm, I'm the midway point between you and like a top player. I am like the average between yeah, you. I'm just literally, I, I, I always go for the crazy strat. One of our running jokes is Lucas likes big number. Dynamaxing was your favorite. <laughs> Big number make me happy. If a game lasts more than four turns, I don't want any part of it. Neuron activation. I see I see Ficious Rend. I have neuron activation right there. Yeah, I just no. Just I, I got things to do. I'm an adult. <laughs> Alright, alright. I think uh I think we should uh, stop beating around the bush and we'll let's jump into the Pokemon. Yeah. All right, so to kick us off, you had talked about uh, Sun and Moon, and we're going to start off in particular with a feature a, a feature up from Sun and Moon, which is the move from Necrozma, Photon Geyser. You mean the cutscene move? 
The one we all just sat and watched for a while. No, that's that's light of light of no, not light of ruin. What was it? Light that burns the sky. That's a different. Right, yeah, that was the one. Proton I mean, the extension the, of it. Proton Geyser's the non-Z move version. Yeah, no, it's not. Still cool. Um, yeah, this was actually the one that you when you initially reached out to us, you reached you talked about Photon Geyser. So I know that the, I'm pretty sure the game basically describes it as just basically being hit by a pillar of light. So walk us through what what is happening here when you just get obliterated by this pillar of light photons if you don't know is the particle or wave that's important for what i'm about to get to that is responsible for our concept of light light is photon if you've ever heard the word photo photo is a prefix meaning light that's why and that's why they're called photons because it is the light particle necrozma is a pokemon that steals light it takes photons best way to put it now, Photon Geyser is a move where you're hit by a pillar of light. And what is the special mechanic that Photon Geyser has? Uh, it can be attack or special attack, right? Exactly, because Necrozma has two forms, one that's a special attacker and one that's a physical attacker. One would assume that Photon Geyser is only like that because it is necessary for Necrozma not to have two separate signature moves. However, there is a concept in quantum physics called wave-particle duality, which is, uh, to put it very simply, you can conceptualize particles at like a subatomic level, like photons, to be both waves and particles. They are both. They act like waves and particles in separate, in separate contexts. Uh, and it's hard to explain without getting into the nitty-gritty of it, but I'm just going to leave it like that. Photons can be either a wave or a particle. Particle, you can imagine that to be equivalent to like a pebble. It is a solid thing. It is a thing you can hold and it will hit you hard if you get hit with it, right? Mass, what is it? Uh, force is equal mass time acceleration. If you, throw a, if you throw a photon hard enough at someone and it's a particle, it's going to hurt. So let's just say like you throw a rock at someone. Ow, that pebble geyser really hurt me physically. I like Pebble Geyser. Yeah, Pebble Geyser, pretty pebbles. <laughs> yeah. Now, now let's go with the wave side of it. Wave-particle duality means that a photon can also be a wave in certain contexts. Waves don't act like particles. Waves interact with each other. Waves can have constructive or destructive interference. Waves are not particles. Waves can go through stuff. It's very weird. Imagine the wave as the special version of the move. Yeah. Uh, just punching right through you like radiation. Yes, like radiation. It hurts. Same thing. It's a special move now. So Photon Geyser, I, while not explicitly stated by the game devs, I think that they specifically went with Photon Geyser to be two separate moves as a little nod to Wave Particle Duality. But is there anything that you can see? Because if I remember, it's been a minute since I've really looked at Photon Geyser, but it's not affected by held items or like burns, that kind of stuff, right? I believe it defaults to a special move. So... I actually, I don't believe it's affected by burn. It might be. I, I don't remember. Is there, could you think of any reason in the in the physics world for that? Or is that just something that they were like, nah, it's just going to be its own thing? I think it was just, it, it's its own thing. Okay. <laughs> I think it's just fun. It, can, yeah. it, it, it can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah. I will ask that of all the legendary Pokemon, something that can steal light, is that probably the most dangerous thing we've come across so far? Or that... Or Dialga and Palkia still, like, horrifying? Oh, no. The, the, the scariest Pokemon you can encounter is Palkia, 100%. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like, yeah, no, just rend space and you're inside out. Yeah, uh, that's actually something that we can transition over to. If we want yeah, to you, yeah, yeah. Why, why is Palkia scary? Dialga and Palkia represent two separate things, space and time. Palkia representing space, Dialga representing time. Everyone knows that, right? Yes, yes, yes. Giratina represents dark matter, which is more like dark gravity. It's hard to explain. It's not matter. We just call it matter for some reason. We don't know what it is. We just see its, its, its effects. That's another thing I'm not going to dive too deep into. But have you played Pokemon Legends Arceus? Beat yes. It. Got Arceus. Made him grow berries because he won't send me back home. Okay. You're, <laughs> that's hilarious. You're aware that... Dialga and Palkia have these origin forms, right? And they sort of look like Arceus. And then if you sort of superimpose them over each other, you basically get Arceus, right? Yes. There's a reason for that. And that is another physics thing. So space and time, we, genu we generally think about 
in colloquial terms to be two separate things. You know, you can walk around in space, I can move around my room, um, and we're constantly moving forward in time. However, we can't move backwards in time. We are bound to the laws of the universe or maybe our own bodies um, to not be able to move forwards and backwards in time. But while space and time can be thought of as two separate things, the reality of the situation is that they're the same thing and that time is basically just an axis on space. So imagine space being a, to, obviously, you know, there you can move in three dimensions in space, you know, forward, backward, up, down, left, right. Um, but imagine space is like um, an X and Y axis, right? We're just looking at it from like a top view. And you can move around on that graph all you want. Now, imagine time just being another axis jutting out towards you and behind you. And you can also move in that. So while I can right now be in my room, sitting in my chair at 8, 10 p.m., I can also be in my room, sitting in my chair at 8, 11 p.m. Time has passed since then. I am now in a different spot on time than I was before. You kind of get that, right? Like that concept. Yeah. These are not separate things. It's a separate axis. And we have mathematical things that sort of prove this. We know that space time is a thing because gravity, because, you know, gravity can kind of warp space time. That's why you see time dilation around black holes. Black holes are the product of large masses collapsing in on themselves and having, you know, such great gravity that they, you know, warp things around them. Gravity, we understand to be able to warp mass. Gravity pulls mass towards it, right? Yeah. yeah. The Earth revolves around the sun. In that, the fact that we can see that gravity also warps our perception of time is indicative of the fact that space time is one concept, it is one thing. That's the layman's way of putting it without getting into super heavy math. That's a. That's the best description of the relationship between Dialga and Palkia I've heard. Brain hurt. Ow. Ow. Back to Pokemon, because I got on my physics thing. If Arceus is supposed to be God, creator of the universe in the Pokemon world, and Dialga and Palkia are parts of him, and one is space and one is time, and you put them together and you get space-time, that creates Arceus, God, the universe within the Pokemon world kind of a cool illusion and then you just have casual satan giratina we don't know what he does which is honestly kind of cool because we don't know what anti matter no don't worry about him he'll <laughs> stay in the basement he stays in the basement yeah we can, he's there he does things we don't know what he does but yeah but you did mention gravity and i kind of want to pivot to it because we had it and one of the things i wanted to talk to you about um of all the support moves in the game that does not get as much credit for being as terrifying as it should be is the move gravity. Can you explain to our audience why that support move should be absolutely horrifying? Okay, if gravity was more widely distributed on more prankster Pokemon, uh, it would be absolutely terrifying in the competitive sense because it makes all of your moves more accurate and it makes flying Pokemon hit the ground, making Groudon very terrifying. We don't have that right now, right? Gravity, in the real sense, being able to increase gravity is terrifying because even if it's by a slight amount, everything around you starts to act differently and the fabric of the universe does not work. Or the, not, the way that our, that our universe formed does not work in the same way. The basic systems that we see, the Earth revolving around the sun, if the constant of gravity that we understand were to be increased, the Earth would fall into the sun, like almost, it would start falling towards it and we would die. So we are happy that we have we we are happy that um gravity is the way it is and that we fell into the way that we are because of the way that gravity is the, the fact that the earth falls around the sun and not into it is is just so nice <laughs> it's also really important in biology because we i was mentioning it last week when we were talking about dynamaxing is that the only reason that whales can survive at the size that they are is because they're in water and thus gravity has less of an effect on them the second you have a whale beached on the shore, gravity is now taking its full toll on them and it's pulling down their organs and ripping them apart. That's why beached animals tend to suffer so much. Now, let's let's downsize the scale a little bit just for a, a, a scope. So let's take it to the, the battlefield. Let's just say that the, the gravity that's being affected is solely on the field of play between those two Pokemon. 
How would increased gravity affect those two in the fight? They wouldn't be able to move quite as fast, and one would assume their spines wouldn't be doing too well. Uh, and that's sort of where the concept of flying Pokemon hitting the ground comes from. Obviously, you know, gravity getting stronger means that flying Pokemon can't propel themselves upwards by pushing up against the air as easily. Um, so that's that's like a thing, you know, they end up they end up uh, falling to the ground. They're no longer able to fly. But also, because everything's a bit heavier, you'd imagine that things aren't able to move around as much. They're not as agile, which is where the accuracy th thing comes in. If you didn't know, the way gravity works in Pokemon actually isn't that your accuracy is increased. It's the opposite. It's that everything's evasiveness went down. I was keying on that, but I also feel like your speed, your individual speed should go down because you're... And it's, I think your speed should go down. Personally, I think attack should go down because you're having to exert more effort to have the same amount of impact. Mm -hmm. And I guess special attack is maybe not affected. I don't know. But I just feel like gravity should just affect so many more portions of the game than it actually does. But they're like, this would be too much. And then on a side note, we also have grab apple. Well, with that one, with the apple falling down onto the person... Why is the apple hurting more in gravity? Because the idea is that it, the thing is falling onto them. Why is it hurting more? Okay, so um, we can take the equation for force, right? Force is equal to mass times acceleration. The gravity increasing is increasing the constant of acceleration experienced by things due to that gravity. So the mass stays the same, right? So if F equals M times A, and that's the force we're hitting something with, mass stays the same. Gravity, the, the mass of the apple did not change as the exact same apple. But now when it reaches the person, it'll, have, it'll be accelerating at a faster rate than it would have otherwise due to the increased gravity. So basically it's just going at you faster. Yeah. And so then you'd, you'd prefer to be hit by a baseball bat if someone just lightly tapped you with it. If that baseball bat were swung at you, you would be in the hospital. That's yeah. the best way to look at it. Much pain. And you also, you brought up mass too. And I guess this is a point where we, you know, we could specify, at least in physics, weight and mass are different. Yes, very different. Gravity interacts with mass resulting in weight. Your weight is the effective measurement of how much gravity affects you. So mass is your amount of stuff. It is how much stuff is in you. Gravity is something that affects stuff more if there is more stuff. And your weight is the measurement of how your stuff was affected by gravity. So it's like the if, if you go to the moon, your weight will be different, but your mass is the same. Yes, exactly. Because the moon is of a lower mass than the Earth. So to, to draw, to kind of pull away from the gravity, there. The part of uh, physics, too, that I despised was when they brought up electricity because with my profession, like, I don't need to know what a circuit is. Leave me alone. But since you're here, can we talk a little bit about Plusle and Minin? That was one of the other ones you wanted us to talk about. And what's so special about these weird Pikachu clones? Okay, so Plusle and Minin actually did not have anything super cool going on with them other than the fact that they were homages to the fact that there are positive and negative charges, right? Up until they got their hidden abilities in Gen 5. In Gen 5, they were actually granted some pretty appropriate hidden abilities. So Plusle, being the positive counterpart, uh, is the best way to put it is that a, a positively charged area, electrons are negatively charged. That's the best way to put it. So if something has a negative charge, it has an excess of electron. So let's say you have one electron. Let's call that like a charge of, of negative one. Let's go. That's not how we actually say it, but let's call it that, right? You are negatively charged. Now, let's say that you are, let's say you have like a certain amount of protons, but rather than each of your protons having an electron like they should, one of your protons is missing its electron. Now you have a positive charge electrons want to move to areas with positive charges to make them reach equilibrium. You'll find this is like a constant within like physics, like things want to be at equilibrium. So electrons being the thing that can move to a space with a positive charge to create a neutral area and thus have equilibrium, want to move to positive areas. 
So Plusle, Plusle being the positively charged Pokemon, we can think of it as having a lot of, of, of particles that are missing electrons that need electrons, right? Its hidden ability is Lightning Rod. Like I said, electrons are the things that move for the most part. When, when lightning strikes something, that is electricity traveling from one area to another. The electrons are moving across. Lightning rod redirects electric moves to it because you can think of electric moves as a bunch of electrons hitting something. Plusle attracts those to it because it needs the electrons to become neutral. It's trying to turn to reach equilibrium. Yes, it's trying to. Re- it, the electrons are trying to reach equilibrium, and it's noticing this this little rabbit guy over there, and he's like, "Wow, that guy's really positively charged. We got to go there. We got to prioritize that. That's that's why it got lightning rod." Okay, now flip it. I think if I remember correctly, Minun is Volt Absorb, right? Yeah. So Minun, uh, the best way to think about Minun getting this ability is it can't have lightning rod because it should theoretically be repelling those uh, electrons. Um, because, you know, opposites track, same things repel. So if it were to get more electrons, right, the best way to put it, and this one's a little bit more of like a semantics thing or like a, a word player, I guess, just a weird way to think about it. Minon gets volt absorbed because if it gets hit by lightning, it just becomes more negatively charged. It is more Minon than it was before, which is why it heals. Dynamax Minon. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamax Minin is literally just the same size, just has a slight glow yeah. around it. So yeah, that, that's the best way to put it. So if it gets hit by electricity, it is going back to its like natural state. Minin wants to have like a negative charge, so it heals. You know, it it becomes more negatively charged. Now, Chris, in our notes for questions, I, I have to ask. It says Rhyhorn and Floating. This was a little bit of a stretch. I don't know if we're going to have time for it on this one. Oh, we can... I know what you mean. I know what you mean by this one. We're t- we're going to be talking about buoyancy. Yeah, so Ry- Rhyhorn gets Surf first and foremost because it's a Gen 1 Pokemon. <laughs> that's, that's the reason, right? <laughs> um, but if you want to know why Rhyhorn is able to Surf, why it's able to stay on the water. So uh, buoyancy is dependent on density. Dense objects will fall to the bottom of a bunch of objects, while the less dense objects will rise to the top. You can think about this when you have whipped cream in your coffee. You ever put whipped cream on coffee or hot chocolate? Mm-hmm. Okay, so whipped cream um, is milk-based. But if you were to put it on chocolate milk, even though they're both milk, why does the whipped cream stay on top? Why doesn't it float? That's because even though they're basically the same thing, the whipped cream has less stuff per the same area. So things with a higher density will fall to the bottom, while things with a lower density, less stuff per area, will come to the top. That's just, there's a lot of weird math behind that, but that's the basic truth of of what we see. There's, there's a Reddit thread about this. It's really quick that I read one time that puts it in really good. I'll just read it straight from there. I, I explained the mechanics behind it, but here's here's the thread that explains it. Your Rhinon is 120 kilograms, giving him a density of 1.2 times 10 to the fifth grams per 1.8 times, uh, or 1.8 to the sixth centimeters cubed, resulting in a density of 0.66 grams per centimeters cubed. So, if water is one gram per centimeter cubed and Rhyhorn is, or and Rhydon is 0. 0.066 grams per centimeter cubed, that means that between water and Rhydon, Rhydon is the less dense object, allowing it to be buoyant and float to the top. I don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> Honestly, I've actually worked with rhinos in the past. It checks out enough. Like, I'll, like the, your assumption goes with the fact that Rhydon and Rhyhorn are entirely made out of rocks. Like, they're the thing from the Fantastic Four. Like, everything in them is rock. That is the assumption that you're making. But we know, know Rhydon's we weight. We're going off of Rhydon's weight and getting it to the size of a rhino. Yeah, exactly. Like, but you see, and Pokemon has always had this weird things with weight. Do we even need to bring up Waylord again? Yeah, Waylord is very not, not dense. Very You should be tying rocks to Waylord every time it comes yeah. out on the field. Fly. It should be leaving the battlefield and flying yes, to the stratosphere. Exactly. Just not, it's not okay. So we are kind of running low on time. I think it's time. Chris, do you want to pop the, the, the big question? The one we uh, always yes. leave out? Um, so you are invited to Game Freak and you get to add one Pokemon. What are you adding? Well, and and it, tie it to physics if you want to, but what's one thing you want to see in okay. the game? Yep. 
One thing I want to see in the game. Okay, I want a legendary Pokemon that is uh, pure, that is dark normal type. I want it to be a dark normal type, and I want it to be sort of like Necrozma, where it has like an all-black aesthetic, but it's largely spherical with sort of like a Haunter hand coming out of it, right? It is very scary to look at because it's a dark type. Why is it a dark type and spherical? Dude, it is a black hole. Its ability will set gravity on the field every time it hits the field. You could also give it shadow tag because it's pulling everything in and not letting it switch. It, it It's basically a, um, like, it's Zygarde, but with an ability instead of a move. Yes. Um, and also, I want it to have an absurdly high weight. <laughs> yes. No, I, I can get down with a, a black hole Pokemon. That way it's not just on Gardevoir to be dropping black holes everywhere. Yeah. All right. Well, I think at this point, we'll head on over to the wrap up. Marcos, I want to thank you so much for reaching out and coming on to the show. As I said before, I'm terrible at physics. None of us are good at I'm physics. I'm not good at physics. But I mean, yeah, but you're better than us. And that's good enough. I want to thank you so much for taking your time to come yeah, on thank with you. us. Uh, if if our listeners wanted to learn more about you or or, or you know search you out, where's the best place to find uh, find you? Best place to find me youtube.com slash moxieboosted. You won't see a lot of physics there. You'll see a lot of Pokemon, and maybe I'll drop a joke for anyone who gets physics there. Um, but that's about it. Twitter twitter.com slash moxieboosted. That's where I post pee pee poo poo tweets. I actually say doo doo a lot in my tweets. Just a habit. <laughs> um, and that's that's. I mean, you can also subscribe to my Twitch. You know, that's same link they're all moxie boosted oh my just look up moxie boosted and they'll find you well man thank you so much uh good luck in whatever tournament you're going in next man we'll be rooting for you thank you there's actually a chicago local in the park um on next saturday that's awesome crush them i'm gonna do bad but yeah <laughs> that wasn't a request crush <laughs> no no you crushed their dreams <laughs> with physics like, literally, just lecture them throughout the entire game. That'll throw them off. Exactly. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please leave a review in your podcasting app of choice. Uh, it helps others find the show. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us again. Uh, Marcos, thank you again. We'll catch you all next time. Bye. Bye.